Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sportegrity Podcast. I'm your host, Chad O'Shea, and I am ready to talk some sports here today. And really, this episode is going to focus a lot on the NCAA. Uh, Lots of interesting things coming here today with the NCAA looking to rewrite their constitution and some of the proposals that they've made and what a lot of that will mean for the NCAA and what it'll look like in the next decade or so and even longer. So we're going to dive into that, give my thoughts on some of those changes that are proposed and, uh, you know, get into some college sports conversation here today in this first non-intro episode of the Sportegrity Podcast. Uh, But on top of that, I'll talk about a few other things I'm excited for with college basketball starting up and some other cool stories around sports in this last week. So with all that being said, thanks for joining me here today and let's get into these sports stories. So the NCAA, uh, this week looks like they're looking to rewrite their constitution. They put a few proposals in and uh, they really want to revamp the whole structure of college sports under the NCAA governing governing body. And so we're going to dive into what all that means. Uh, you know, everything from shifting power, um, name, image, and likeness, and expanding on that momentum, uh, revenue distribution, and a bunch of other things as well. Now, keep in mind, a lot of these things that I'm going to talk about, they're just proposals. So some of this stuff may stick, some of it may not. Um, obviously the governing board still has some things to work on and, you know, expand on these proposals or trim down or whatever the case is. Um, but college sports are really my favorite level of sports. So, um, I'm always kind of keeping my eyes on any news that comes up in the NCAA side of things. Um, I'm probably more in tune on the business side and, kind of the operational side of the NCAA than um, a lot of other sports fans might be. So kind of a nerd on that side of things, you could say. Um, But let's let's get into this. So uh, among some of these proposals that the NCAA is coming out with, um, one of the main things is shifting the power to each individual division rather than one single governing body. So rather than the governing body of the NCAA overseeing all divisions, one, two, and three, um, I gotta turn my phone off. Uh, apologize for that. Um, so really, what it all comes down to is they are allowing each division to essentially, you know, enforce the rules as they see fit. So Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three uh, will essentially be able to run their specific divisions on their own um, in accordance to kind of what works best for that level of competition. So the Division One category is especially going to be interesting because, um, you know, specifically on the football side, you have the FBS and the FCS, and those are two completely different monsters as far as revenue goes, um, as far as attention goes, sponsorship, ticket sales, everything. It's a completely different monster when you jump down from FBS to FCS. So... Uh, with all of that being said, uh, the other big thing that concerns me about a lot of this is with Division One kind of being their own entity, um, I'd really be curious to see how the power shifts from the Power 5 conferences to the non-Power 5 conferences. There's already a pretty big push towards essentially the Power 5 conferences, so the Big 10, Big 12, ACC, SEC, 
and Pac-12 all just kind of forming one super conference and just becoming their own college sports league. And so really leaving all the non-power schools um, and all those other group conferences to kind of fend for themselves and, you know, figure out their own kind of separate uh, playing field of competition. Um, I'm never a fan of that, and I really hope that doesn't happen uh, because although there are some top schools that are going to be successful every year, are going to have more chances at championships and consistent competition and recruits, like that's just inevitable regardless of how you break down these divisions. Um, the, the joy of college sports is the upset factor. Uh, the fact that this dominant power program that's been historically great can walk into a tournament walk into a championship game and get beat by an underdog. Uh, that's what college sports are all about, in my opinion. So uh, that that's my fear here, is that it's just going to go more and more towards that idea of treating the Power Five conferences like they're their own professional league. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm definitely not in favor of that. I mean, I like that each division is able to have their own power and kind of govern the rules in their own ways. Um, because the NCAA has always been a pretty big control freak, control freak in that manner. So I like it and I don't like it just because, you know, the one thing I don't like is hopefully it doesn't, uh, shift towards a pure power five focus for the future of college sports. Now, the other main thing in the proposal, um, really just continues on what we've seen earlier this year with the name, image, and likeness and, just kind of being more flexible with the enforcement of those rules and also allowing more opportunities for players to uh, make some money, get sponsorships off of their name and their performance. Now, I'm all for that. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with a college athlete using their play on the field, their recognition they get from their accomplishments on the field to benefit from their social media following, um, you know, local businesses in the city that they play in. Um, even some partnerships with the conferences and the school itself. I have no problem with that because as far as I'm concerned, you've put a lot of time in uh, to be a college athlete. And so if if companies or um, any businesses want to pay you for doing a commercial or doing a sponsorship, by all means, go for it. Um, but I am also happy to see that they are still standing strong on no pay for play. Um, and if you're not really too familiar, pay for play would essentially mean uh, that colleges pay the athletes directly. So out of the athletic budgets, out of the college budgets, uh, you know, having pay for play in place would be uh, where, you know, every athlete is paid a certain amount directly from that school. Uh, now, there's a few different reasons why I'm not in favor for this. Uh, you'll hear a lot of people that'll argue for this where they say, um, you know, all these football players, you know, Alabama and, you know, LSU and Ohio State and all these, you know, consistent kind of powerhouses uh, in college football, um, you know, they say, well, they bring in millions of dollars for the NCAA. Why can't they get paid? Um, the The amount of sports and actual teams in college sports that make enough revenue just by themselves to justify paying the players, very slim to none. Um, and there's a lot of other, you know, messy things with that as well. Um, yeah, you might have a football team that draws in a good amount of revenue every year. Uh, but what about your basketball team? What about your volleyball team? What about your soccer team, your water polo team, you know, all these other sports that are 
you have athletes in every sport that more or less the practice schedule is just as rigorous. Your travel schedule, your you know school year is just as hard to manage because you're a college athlete and you're a student at the same time. So who are you to say that a football player deserves to get paid, but a volleyball player doesn't? Um, and just outside of that basic logic, you have Title IX, and you have all these laws in place to have equality in those opportunities for college sports. So that is something that people overlook a lot uh, when they talk about college athletes should get paid. Uh, you really need to uh, focus on those laws that are in place. And you, you can debate you know how strict they need to be or how flexible they can be. Um, I think there needs to be some flexibility, you know, considering uh, how much revenue those sports do bring in. But if you pay one college athlete, you have to pay every single college athlete. Um, there's no way around it. If you're a university and you're expected to pay your athletes, um, that's just the reality of it. And it's just not going to happen. Um, I really would be shocked if I ever saw a model where colleges pay athletes directly, you know, a direct salary or a direct stipend just for being a college athlete outside of scholarships or those basic academic, um, you know, payments through those more structured opportunities that are already in place. And really, when you think of it, you know, there's 11, around 1,100 total member schools of the NCAA across the entire country, over 1,100. Uh, when you really think about it, such a tiny percentage of that make enough revenue to even operate at a break-even point, let alone a a profit point at the end of that, you know, athletic year from all their sports combined. Uh, just because college sports are expensive, you know, and all the operation costs, all the scholarships you pay, all those things that are already in place. Um, you know, even just with the 351 schools that are Division One, um, a small percentage of that are schools that walk away from an entire athletic year and say we made money from it so it's i think there's a lot of ignorance on that subject from fans that kind of think they know what they're talking about but it's just the business side it's there's so many athletes you need to factor in and there's you know out of those thousands of athletes it's it's just not possible to pay them so name image and likeness all for that if you're an athlete and you want to you know, get some money on the side by doing some partnerships, things like that, go for it. Um, but the idea that athletes should get paid or, you know, you're getting a full ride scholarship in most cases and you're getting meal plans, housing, and you're getting all of that while other college students go into debt for all of that. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a pretty good opportunity as well. Um, but I've already talked too much about this whole uh, paying athletes uh, conversation. Maybe I'll expand on it a little bit later in an episode, because I'm sure that's not the last that you'll hear about uh, this subject there. But um, another thing I wanted to focus on with some of these constitution changes that they suggested and proposed um, is with the disparity on revenue and how they want to kind of touch on revenue distribution and things like that. And I think it kind of ties back to shifting the power and kind of giving the conferences power um, so that they can kind of make those decisions with their member schools and how they want to distribute those things and how they want to go about marketing their conferences, things like that. Um, but there is a big disparity in division one. You know, you have schools that make millions of dollars every year in their sports versus you have schools at the very bottom of division one that um, operate at a loss and maybe, maybe, maybe in some cases even, 
bring in six figures of revenue, if that. Uh, so, um, and not revenue, I guess, total money back that they make as well. So not even, you know, breaking even at that point. So it's, it's, it's tough. And I think that's going to be a big conversation that NCAA is going to need to have. And, you know, as much as I love to have all these division one schools, kind of ties back to my point at the beginning where I, I love that upset factor. I love to have all these schools compete at the same time. Um, but one kind of negative of that is schools are going to have that parity in your conference size, your revenue, your ability to recruit and things like that. So sounds like they're, they're looking to kind of work on some of those differences in revenue distribution, which is good, can kind of help the smaller schools as well. Um, but then at the same time, they want to make it so the top dogs can benefit even more. So I am not really sure what direction they're going in that. I'll have to read up on that part of it a little bit too. But um, I know revenue distribution is a big thing there. Um, the other main thing is shrinking the governing body from 21 to 9. So um, including an athlete on that board is also a big uh, aspect of that too, to have an athlete on the governing board. But to shrink from 21 governing members to 9 on those decision boards, it's really a big thing. Uh, you're lim- eliminating 12 people, but that's potentially, um, I guess I don't know for sure, but I'm just assuming with those 12 people you're removing those positions so it's a little bit more money to spread around to the NCAA uh, which you know gives them a little bit more in the budget to work with overall for all the member schools Um, but really the primary duties are you know budget strategic planning and evaluating the president of the NCAA Mark Emmert and his performance Um, so I think trimming that down to nine is going to make those discussions a little bit more focused um, and eliminate some of those um you know, opportunities where when you have such a big governing board, it takes a lot to overturn or kind of vote on different matters. But having nine allows some flexibility to convince other members to vote a certain way, things like that, which can be good, can be bad. Um, I personally think, you know, this earlier this year, um, throughout all of the turmoil that Italy was going through kind of earlier this summer with the Supreme Court decisions and how they kind of destroyed the NCAA's business model and things like that. Um, there's a lot of heat on NCAA and kind of under the covers without really much announcement or anything, they all voted unanimously to reelect their president. So it's it's um, kind of an interesting fact there. And, you know, overall, we'll see how that goes with a smaller governing body to uh, kind of police the NCAA and uh, keep track of, you know, evaluating their president as well. But overall, the NCAA really seems to be going over the top this year to, um, in my opinion, honestly, just fight to stay alive. There's been a lot of things exposed for the NCAA in this last year that people have known about for years, but it's finally getting more notice and more attention from you know, the Supreme Court and uh, across the country to where people are standing up and saying that a lot of things the NCAA has been doing is just unfair for these college athletes. Um, a lot of that I agree with, some of it I disagree with, but um, at the end of the day, to you know, there's no doubt that the NCAA kind of has a model that does restrict a lot of you know things that athletes can do, um, that schools individually can do to kind of separate themselves, and you know this is going to be a, a defining decade for the NCAA. 
Um, this year alone, we've already seen a lot of conference realignment um, within the power conferences. Um, even the American conference in college football has seen a lot of changes as well. So, you know, football drives a lot of this. So I'm really keeping my eye out on the FBS side of college sports, how those conferences realign themselves, uh, because whether you like it or not, football is, is, the, is the benchmark for college sports. Um, and if your football team is prestigious, it's going to govern a lot of things that you do across the board um, because your whole athletic department uh, benefits. So um, the next few years are going to be crucial to see where this direction of the NCAA goes, if it is going to stay a unified kind of general uh, division of a bunch of teams all in one division but in separate conferences, or if they add a division or further separate some of those top schools into their own league, which in my opinion would ruin the college football aspect uh, for the playoffs. Um, it would ruin March Madness. It would ruin a lot of those kind of national competitions and really just uh, diminish the value a lot as well. So now that we got that out of the way, uh, you know, talk about some things that I'm looking forward to this week. And really the big thing and really the only main thing is college basketball is back. So games start this week and the road to March Madness is on. And, you know, just looking at some of the top 10 rankings here, uh, to pull it up on my uh, browser here. So the top 10 rankings coming into this week from the AP, just updated today here on November 8th. Uh, we got Gonzaga at 1, UCLA at 2, Kansas at 3, Villanova at 4, Texas 5, Michigan 6, Purdue 7, Baylor 8, Duke 9, and Kentucky 10. So that rounds out your top 10. So just looking at some of the initial rankings and what I've noticed just heading into this season, I'm going to give my biggest, you know, too high team and too low team, just looking at these initial um, preseason rankings. So the team that I think is ranked way too high is UCLA. UCLA comes in at number two, the second best team in the nation, and it, this is a team that they made a spectacular run last year to the Final Four. They started as a first four team, and they fought every round all the way until the Final Four, where they lost on a half-court buzzer beater. You know, if Jalen Suggs doesn't make that half-court game winner for Villanova, we very well could have seen UCLA in the title game and maybe be talking about them as the defending champs this year. But really, you have to kind of leave that in the past. Um I'm always hesitant to look at a team that makes a miraculous run and you know, have high expectations for them the next year. Uh, UCLA, it's not like they're a program that came out of nowhere. They're always, you know, finding their ways to get in the tournaments every year. Um, but I just have my doubts that they're one of the top four teams in college basketball. Uh, they do return... I believe their main core pieces, I don't know if it's all of their starters, but I believe it's most of their starters, if not all. Um, but you got Juzang and all those other main players coming back. So they have the talent to be at that level. But I think starting at number two is going to set some incredibly lofty expectations for UCLA um, to live up to. So I think early on, that's going to make them struggle. They're going to drop a couple games early here, and it's going to be a little bit of a rough start. So... Hopefully that bold take doesn't bite me in the butt. They e they easily could be, you know, still in this top ranking 
a couple months from now. But, um, you know, when you go, when you started last tournament last year in the first four and barely make it in, I think there's, there's still a lot of inconsistency and something to be worried about there. Now, a team that I think is too low in that school is Illinois. Illinois comes in ranked at number 11 to start this season in the AP rankings. Uh, they were one of the top teams all last year. They were a one seed, and for most of the year, they looked to be one of the big favorites for the uh, national championship. Uh, they In the tournament, once they got there, they ran into an in-state buzzsaw in Loyola, Chicago. So they got knocked out by a small school within their uh, own state of Illinois. So um, in their defense, Loyola, you know, they went on a Final Four run even just a few years ago. So they're no stranger to the tournament and what it takes to play and win a game there. But, uh, you know, with this Illinois team, they returned their uh, main guy in Kofi Coburn. And so he's back, and then they'll have four of the uh, leading scorers from last year's team back to make some noise in the Big Ten. So I think Illinois coming in as 11 it's a little bit too low for my taste. I think, you know, it won't be too long before we see them back as a top five team in those rankings, um, even pretty early on here in the season. And I'm going to throw a little surprise out there. I'm going to throw out a non-power conference team to watch, you know, outside of the uh, main conferences that are some of those kind of top schools and top programs. And that team that I am I have my eye on is St. Bonaventure. So they're coming in ranked at 23 uh, to start this season. And they return all five starters from last year's impressive run uh, where they won, I think they won a couple games in the tournament last year, but um, they were one of my sleeper picks in the tournament uh, in March. And I think they are a team that can have a decent uh, run here in the regular season to climb up those rankings um, as we go on. And even last year, they won the Atlantic 10 regular season and conference tournament titles. So, uh, they clearly dominated that conference and have all five starters, have all of that experience back for uh, another season to run it back. I think that the Bonnies of St. Bonaventure are going to be a team that is going to be a tough one to face as we go on here. And now the last uh, category of what I want to cover is just some positive stories of the last week. Some of my favorite stories that I've watched in sports over this last weekend and this last week. Um, and number one is the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. Um, I, you know, right off the bat, it's always nice to see the Astros lose again in a World Series when they shouldn't be there in the first place because of cheating a couple years ago. And um, I won't really get over that um, to see them largely go unpunished for um, the sign stealing and all of those things that they did. It's just kind of a joke to the MLB that they are allowed to go to the playoffs every year and they've been to the World Series a couple times since then. But um, that just makes it even better to see the Braves win the title against them in the World Series. Um, and I always love to see the unlucky sports cities win a title. You know, as much as the media and a bunch of fans love to see those big cities and those LAs and New Yorks and all those teams like compete for a championship, um, you know, the, the other cities like Atlanta, you know, you look at Atlanta, this is a sports city that it's one of the big ones, but they've been snake bitten, you know, one of the bigger sport snake bitten, uh, sports cities that you've had in recent memory, whether it's the Falcons Super Bowl a few years ago, blowing a 28 to three lead against Tom Brady. Um, the Hawks, I think is 2015 where they 
were the top team in the East, 60 wins. All of their starters made the All-Star game that year, but then they get swept to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I believe that was a year that they went to come back from 3-1 to win the championship. Um, so that was a disappointing run for the Hawks. And then even like, you know, Georgia football. You know, I'm sure a lot of people in Atlanta follow UGA, and, you know, they're, they've always been one of those top college football teams and just haven't been able to take the next step in the championship. And even the UGA football team is ranked number one right now. So who knows? Maybe we'll see them follow it up with a national championship there too. But um, it's just nice to see Atlanta win a championship and just gives you hope for those sports cities that there doesn't seem to be much hope. And I can personally attest to that with Minnesota and where I, I don't think I'll ever witness a Minnesota team win a championship in my life uh, because especially what I've seen from the Vikings this year, just giving me no confidence for um, any of that. So I uh, just love to see those sports cities win a title and just, you know, bring something to those fans that have stuck through a lot of heartbreak over the years. And the other cool story, Adrian Peterson. He's back in the NFL. Uh, I don't know how old he is at this point. I think he's like 36, 37. Um, but, you know, to be a running back and still finding your way on a roster um, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. The second that he's eligible, he's getting in first ballot. Um, but he essentially came off the couch and onto the Titans roster in just a few days before um, last night's game against the Rams. And he filled the void by Derrick Henry's injury, came in, punched in a touchdown, the 125th of his career, uh, becoming the 12th player all time with 125 total touchdowns. Um, so he only, he only had 21 yards on 10 carries, so didn't really have a world beating game by any means. Um, but love that his career is still going and keeps adding to the hall of fame resume. And now he has a chance to do it even more. Uh, I believe he's about 160 or so yards away from reaching that milestone of 15,000 career rushing yards. So I'm rooting for Adrian Peterson. You know, the Titans are at the top of the AFC right now and in a conference that is looking messier and messier as the weeks go by. So who knows the Titans very well could be, uh, the top dog in the AFC, even without Derrick Henry, um, if everything um, works out well with this ground game. But those are my thoughts for today. So, you know, obviously college sports, a lot of stuff going on there um, on the business side and on the fun side of, you know, basketball starting up and college football at the heart of the season and a couple months away from the playoffs there. And, um, you know, just some of the great stories that have been happening here in this last week. So, Hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, uh, feel free to leave a review on whatever podcast platform that you're using. Um, it'll really help me get off the ground here with this podcast, and um, you know, bear with me here. These first few episodes, I'm just kind of, kind of iron out the details and kind of figure out a structure to this podcast that works better for a flow here. Um, so since I'm new, I'll kind of learn as I go. So bear with me there. If you have any feedback or any suggestions, let me know for sure. Um, just let me know how I can improve here um, and uh, hope you enjoy the journey. And don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram, uh, chadoshay.media uh, is just my main you know, contact account on social media for this podcast as well. So uh, feel free to follow me there and continue the conversation well off of these podcast airwaves. So with all of that, thanks for joining me here today. We'll see you in the next episode coming soon. And Go out and enjoy your sports.